Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. This morning, there are 289 million people that have uh, had or have COVID. Out of those, 5.44 million deaths. That is huge. That is huge. And thank God there are 254 million that have recovered. And so, I want to share with you a little bit about living a life worthy in 2022, living a life worthy in 2022. And the passage that I've chosen is uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. Um, I'll read it in the New International Version, and I'll also read it in the message because it comes out uh, quite nicely in the message as well. Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 6. Paul writing the circular letter, and he says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, and God, and or one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. He says it this way in the message. He says, in light of all this, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run. On the road, God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily, pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences and quick at mending forces. Fences. I was just checking who's following with me. I'm glad there's two of you. No. Sorry about that. You were all called to travel on the same road in the same direction, so stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who rules over all, works through all, and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. Friends, when we moved uh, to to Darwin from Johannesburg 12 years ago, uh, there was a little seesaw Uh, in the park where we lived, just opposite where we were. And 
taking Michael to the park and going on this seesaw uh, clearly was not going to work. Because if Michael sat on the one side and me on the other side, well, it, there was no way that Michael would ever come down and me ever go up. And so we discovered that it helps to put my wife Maria on the uh, same side as Michael. Lo and behold, it stood not, still did not help because there was this walrus on the one side and two beautiful people on the other. We had to get the local neighborhood to come with me on the one side and the rest of them on the other. And so it was interesting because only when there is sort of the same amount of weight will it actually balance out. If it's out of sync, it's going to go on the one side or on the other side, and we all know that. Well, Paul writes, and he says, I want you to live a life worthy of your calling. And the word that he uses uh, for worthy there is the word axios. And, and, and it, it basically means to bring the axle to the middle. When the axle is in the middle, then it will balance out. And uh, what, what is he basically saying here? He says, you know, bring the beam so it could be equal. And you'll see in a short while, with reference to what we claim to be and what our actions are. And then that will be worthy. And so in our particular context, if I mention some people to you, you go, oh, the man was an absolute loser. The lady was an absolute loser. But if I mention some people to you, then you go, wow, that person lived a life worthy of their calling. So, for example, if I were to say Hitler to you, you go, wow, an absolute disaster. If I were to say Mother Teresa, wow, an absolute godly woman. If I were to say uh, another person like um, Nelson Mandela, you, you realize that this was uh, quite a powerful person who fought for the right cause. More recently, Desmond Tutu, a person who fought for justice and uh, was uh, recently passed away at the age of 90. And so there are some people that come across our mind and you go, that person lived a life worthy of what they claimed to be. Now, put that in a, in a Christian context, um, uh, you know, and the challenge comes that am I living a life worthy of the calling that God has placed on my life? And so I want to, to help us to try and reflect on that call today in our lives, uh, not only individually, but also as a community of faith. What is the calling that God has placed on our lives, and will we live it out worthy of what we claim to be? So point number one here is that we have been called by God. And he says that in verse 1. Now, we've just celebrated the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm reminded of Mary once again, where in Luke chapter 1, uh, verses 26 to the end of the chapter there, Mary is going about doing her normal daily tasks. She's minding her own business. The angel, of Gabriel, uh, the angel Gabriel appears to her and announces that she will give birth uh, to the Messiah. Here is this ordinary peasant girl minding her own business uh, but God interrupts her life and says to her, you will be the one who will bear the Messiah. Her life is, is totally interrupted. And, and we read that there was absolute fear 
uh, and confusion. Her life had been disturbed. Uh, but we realize that it was disturbed in a very positive way in this particular context. I met uh, a man in South Africa that was very, very poor, but he'd caught the lot or won the lotto. And uh, his life had changed dramatically because of this massive amount of money that he'd won. And the reason I tell you that story is because just as his life had changed, so had Mary's life changed dramatically. And can I suggest to you, when the Lord Jesus Christ comes into our lives and penetrates our hearts and minds, our lives change dramatically. Why? Because we're being called by God. Not coming to church and playing Christianity or, you know, going through the motions of Christianity. When we are called, God interrupts our lives. He disturbs us for the good, for the good. And so Paul is writing to them and he's saying, listen, you have been called by God. That's what he wrote in verse 1. And that word called, kaleo, means you've been named by God. You have been invited to walk the road with God. And he, he, he knows your name and you bear his name. You are a son or a daughter of God. So when he comes into your life, our lives change completely. Some people will say, well, you know, um, uh, I've not really experienced the call of God. Others will say, boy, when God came and they can give you a date uh, and a time and the location that they experienced God. But friends, if we look for God, we will certainly find him. We'll certainly find him. Um, the great Christian author uh, Henry Blackaby in his book Experiencing God says, look for what God is doing and join him for what he is doing. There are some people who can't see what God is doing in their lives or in their community, and so they're not able to find Him. But if you look for God, you certainly will find Him. Why? Because He is at work. And as men and women who've been called by God, we uh, experience Him on a daily basis. It's not uh, something that is every now and then. No, we're in a relationship with Him. And because we're in a relationship with Him, we experience Him on a daily uh, basis. I'm reminded about um, Andy Cap, uh, some of you who grew up on, on those comics, um, that cartoon Andy Cap. But you remember that whenever he saw his landlord, he would try and avoid his landlord because he's, he was always behind in his rent. Well, friends, in our particular case, we don't have to run away from God. We look for what God is doing. When I was in the army back in South Africa, uh, doing my national service, uh, we had this one major. He was bad. Way worse than Michael Jackson. You know, like, I'm bad. This guy, Major Chrovia, he was bad. And so when we were all gathering together and we saw Major Chrovia coming, we'd evacuate super quick. Mass exodus. Why? Because Major Crevier was coming and he would find a fault in our, in our lives so he could punish us. Whatever you did, your one hair skew, uh, you, you know, you, you're not standing properly, you didn't greet me properly, you didn't salute me properly. And so we were petrified of Major Crevier. God's not like that. God's not like that. He's not wanting to find a, a fault in what we're doing. No. Um, he, he, sorry, I've gone... Mark, why don't you reverse that a little bit, please? I've gone a little bit too far. One more. Thank you. 
Um, and, and so what, whenever God comes into our lives, he wants to work with us and we with him because we're in relationship. It's like a marriage. If we're not working together, it's not going to work out. You know, it's, that's what Paul writes to the church in Corinth and says that, you know, they are not to be unequally yoked. In other words, when that two cows are yoked together, they're pulling in the same direction. Well, when you and I are in relationship with God, not encounter Him every now and then, when we're in relationship with God, we have a look at His, what He is doing, and we want to join Him on this journey. We don't have to be anxious about this call. Some have been called to, to change the world, to stand um, in front of people and preach to, to the multitudes. Others have been called just to be a godly husband, a godly wife, a godly grandparent, a godly child, a godly student. Wherever God has called you, He has invited you to come along with Him on this journey. And I pray in 2022 that we can walk this journey together. But not only as individuals, also as a church together, because we are united. And each one of us sitting here today have got a call. God has placed a call on our lives. You say to me, well, I'm not sure what that call is. Friends, if you look for what that call is, God will give you direction. I've had people come and say, well, I'm not sure what God wants me to do. Well, in Romans chapter 12, without sounding overly simplistic, we are, you know, we can read verses 1 and 2 because it says that we are to present our lives as living sacrifices. You know, uh, assuming our lives are like a house, um, every part of our our lives needs to be surrendered to God, to present our lives to God. Uh, we've got um, a house, and there's one room uh, that is uh, often a museum or a storeroom where all the junk goes in, you know, and uh, hopefully one day we'll be able to use it. And, uh, you know, I'm sure you don't have that in your house. Um, we all have those. And there's always some part in our hearts that we kind of don't want to, uh, you know, uh, clean up. Or, or surrender to God. But there is that presentation to present our lives as a living sacrifice. And what does Paul write and say? Well, then he will transform us. He will renew us. Metamorphosis is that Greek word. He will metamorphosize us. He will totally, as we present our lives, he transforms our lives. And what's the outcome of that? We realize his true and perfect plan for our lives. So the first point is presentation. The second one is transformation. And the third one is realization. As we come before him, we present every part of our lives. We make sure that we have time out to listen to his voice. If I were to ask uh, somebody a question, and I would say, Jess, how are you today? And turn my back on... I'm not giving her an opportunity to answer me. And when we go to God and ask him a question, let's wait for the answer. That means taking time out to listen to his voice. And he longs to speak to us. He longs to have communion with us because that's who God is. And so as individuals, but also as a community, we are to come before him because we all have a calling on our lives. And that calling needs to be specific to what God has planned and purposed for us. Secondly, 
Paul writes and he says, may our character match that call. Say, well, God has called me, uh, and or so what? Um, well, in the first three chapters in Ephesians, uh, Paul writes and he talks about God's love for us. God's love for us. But in chapters 4 to 6, he, he talks about a lifestyle that matches that calling. A lifestyle that matches that calling. And so it, it's, it's important to live a life. You know, and, and you say, well, uh, you know, God has called me. But does our character match that call? Axios, remember that, Axel? Does our character balance out with our calling? And so we can claim to be Christians all day long, but does our character reflect who we claim to be? Well, he gives us some points uh, to, to help us to understand how to live. And the first one there is to be humble. The Greek word there, tapionophrosini, as this deep sense of littleness. Now, that's not uh, breaking yourself down and saying, well, I'm, you know, I'm like a worm, woe is me, help me, God. No, it's living a life that's pleasing to God, knowing with absolute confidence who you are in Christ. That, as somebody said, you're as flat as a pancake, and only Jesus Christ in you sticks out. As flat as a pancake, and only Jesus Christ in you sticks out. And so, as God has called us, it's easy to, to, you know, to go around claiming uh, who we are and being arrogant. Like that Pharisee uh, who says, Lord, I thank you that I'm not as other people. In other words, pride begins to creep in into his life. And instead, we should have the attitude of humility by saying, wow, only by God's grace have I been called. What a privilege it is. By God's grace. I've been called. What a privilege it is. Uh, the last couple of days, I um, had to go down to Pemberton to conduct a wedding. And um, we, we stopped on, uh, Maria and Michael came with me, and we stopped um, on the side of the road at this bridge so my son could fulfill his addiction of fishing. And um, somebody said, well, just go off, just, you know, there's a little side road. And we went into that side road, and there was a whole lot of campers there, young people camping, and it's a free camping site. And um, while we were chatting, uh, I recognized this one lady, and she recognized me. And she's a student that I taught at the University of Notre Dame. And uh, she, she said, uh, you lectured me a little a couple of years ago, and uh, we had a discussion about who God is and who Jesus Christ is. And she says, I remember that discussion so well. And walking back to our car, I thought, I wonder what's happening in her life. We went back the next day, and she was there, and we started chatting. And um, she says, I'm still thinking about what you said. God is working with me, she said. God is working with me. And folk, God is working with each and every one of us. And, but we are, uh, you know, I, I started thinking, I prayed to God, and she reminded me of her name, I prayed to God that she will come to the revelation of who Jesus Christ is, because that's part of our call, and I am no better than her, because there was once a time in my life, as there was in your life, when we were far from God, 
Paul says that we were aliens, but now the realization. And so I'm no better than anybody else. It's by God's grace, not my achievement, that I've been able to come before God. So we need to be humble about that. Secondly, I believe we need to be gentle, to be gentle. The word that he uses uh, means to be mild. Now, that doesn't mean that we're weak. No, but because we know we are in Christ, we deal with people in a very gentle manner. You know, uh, we, 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 we deal with people not because we think that we are better than them, but we are very gentle in how we treat one another. You know, we, we don't uh, harm their feelings um, by virtue that we have the gospel, you know, and by, even if we read the scriptures, it's offensive, but we don't go out of our way. Please, this sounds really weak. We don't go out of our way to harm people and make them feel guilty. It's God's prerogative to allow them to come to the realization uh, of who he is. We can often become quite arrogant about our our Christianity, that we are better than anybody else, or that we belong to a particular denomination that they don't belong to. No, Paul is saying, listen, the way we treat others, may they see Jesus Christ in us. May we live a life that is worthy, that balance our calling and our character. Our calling and our character. And then he also says, thirdly, that we need to be patient and make allowances for one another, to be patient and make allowances to one another. That word patience uh, should actually not be in the scriptures because it's really a, not a nice word, you know. Um, but patience, makrosimia, it's long-suffering. It's one of the characteristics of love in 1 Corinthians 13, that, you know, in the context of love that we are to be patient with one another. And it's, it's a huge characteristic. It, it means, you know, endurance. It means slowness in getting back. You've harmed me, well, I'm going to harm you twice as much. That's not patience. That's not patience. It's forbearing. It's, it's being there uh, for one another in difficult times. Um, he, he says that we are to make allowances uh, for one another. A, a, a word that's very similar to to uh, patience, uh, it, to, to put up with one another, to hold one another up firmly, not to ignore your points of view or you ignore my points of view, but to sit together around the table and to talk about them, to exchange ideas. And he says, listen, uh, to sustain one another, endure one another. Now, folk, I know that we all know some what I call VDPs, very draining people. Very draining people, kind of, the, there they are, there, let's go the other way, you know. Um, we all have them in our lives. In fact, I could be one. Well, in that case, we need EGR, extra grace is required because of these VDPs. But friends, that's part of being called to Christ, that we're all on a journey, that, you know, the church is not paradise, the church is made up of, of broken people like you and me, but we're all on a journey together. And, you know, once upon a time I was down on the ground, somebody came and put their shoulder under my armpit and lifted me up so I could walk 
on my own two feet. When I was strong enough, they left me and said, go and do likewise. And that's what we're called to do. But in this process, we are to be patient and make allowances for one another. And the reason for all of that, uh, Paul says in verses 4 to 6, is because, you know, we've all been called to that one spirit, the one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father over all. And so our sense of unity, our sense of security comes when we're united together. Now, that doesn't mean we excuse one another's immoralities or sins. No, we're there to help one another on this journey together. And why? Because of Christ. And so there is unity in our diversity. If I look across here, there are different nationalities. There are different cultures. Um, we're different ages, uh, different backgrounds, uh, different uh, academic levels. We have different gifts, different abilities. But God has called us to that one spirit. And because of who we are in Christ, we have this new identity. That new identity should match our new character. So there is to be parity with what we say and claim to be and with what we do, both as individuals but also as a community of believers. And so what have I said? That God has called each and every one of us. And God has called us to fulfill what He wants us to do on this journey. He's called us as individuals, but also as a church, as a local church. And that's to allow people to say yes to Jesus. Not to be nice to one another. No, our mission and our calling is to, to live a life that's characterized by humility, by gentleness, by uh, being patient with one another and making allowances uh, for one another so we can allow people to say yes to Jesus. In the Greek Orthodox Church, before they ordain a priest, they obviously, he goes through a whole process. And before he gets ordained, uh, they, they put him up in the front. He is unrobed, unrobed. He's, he's got, obviously he's got covering, but he's unrobed. And they ask one question, and that's the question, axios. In other words, is this one, the shepherd who is going to lead us in this church, is he axios? Is he worthy? One, one simple word, axios, the bishop would say. And the congregation need to respond with either axios, yes, he is worthy, or Anaxios, no, he is not worthy. And so the, you speak to some priests and they'll say that's the greatest fear they have in their lives. When, when the bishop asks the congregation, is this man worthy? Is he worthy to be called your shepherd? Is he worthy to be called your priest, your leader? And so hopefully by that time when that question comes, he has demonstrated humility uh, and gentleness and, and patience and forbearance with those uh, he's come into contact with. And please, God, may the response be axios as well. 
If that's the case, there's delight and there's celebration. And so this year, this month with a the theme of faith over fear, may we fulfill, may we know that call and fulfill that call that God has placed in our lives. I don't know where you are in your life right now, but my prayer is that you will know your calling with absolute certainty. Know what God has called you to, because that's a good place to be. And now that you know that God has called you, begin to plug in. Put your hand up for some of the services that, that need to be done here at the church so we can allow people to say yes to Jesus. I want to remind you, you've heard me say this before, that in Romans 8.37, uh, Paul reminds us, you and I, that in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That word conqueror is the Greek word Nike, Nike. That's why I've got that swish there. Let's just do it. Let's not wait for another year and allow another year to go by. No, let's get into it. Let's do what God has called us to do for his honor and for his glory. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for your word to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that you've called us. Now that you've called us, Lord, may we listen to your spirit that same spirit that speaks to your people so we can be found worthy of the calling that you've placed on our lives. Lord, we want to acknowledge the beginning of a new year that it's not by might nor by power, but only by your Holy Spirit. So come, Lord Jesus, we pray. Call us and fill us with your blessing. Fill us with, with your Holy Spirit so we can do the things that you've called us to do for your honor, for your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen.